At a certain point, there is nothing that happens that is not within the greater understanding. Not some abstract understanding and far away, yeah, you know, we are the No, 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 but in every second. Not as a kind of hardship or a kind of yoga or a kind of task. No, just because you are tuned again to the true self. I remember there was a time I just got some fleeting memories of it today when when I was trying to grasp what this thing was about actually I was with Papaji and it was all still a bit new and somebody came and somebody gave a report in satsang that you know today Papaji yeah, yesterday last night whatever it is that we're sitting together with so and so and we were talking he was going through the who am I inquiry and then I just burst out laughing which just fell apart and I was thinking what did they see what did they see and what really has changed what really happens then where you're no more in that type of delusion. It's like being amongst people you love and seeing them make the same mistakes over and over. Everybody's doing it. Everybody made the same mistake and they complain about the same things and talk about it. And it's all a misunderstanding. And you have to live in that world. You know, day in, day out. Everybody, your parents, you know, your your doctor, your lawyer, the, the politician, your friends, your children, your parents, your grandparents, everybody's in the same trip. And watching the same mistakes be made and trying to point it out and nobody is getting it. And I don't know who's responsible. I know who or what's responsible. It's just a bit funny. We're so comfortable with, with our delusions somehow. We're just here to hatch. We're just here to hatch, open, you know, peck yourself out of your own shell, come out. Not to stay in some nest and be lazy in a way. Even the most precious things the mind has to offer you have to overcome. There's a hatching out. And don't be lazy about it. Don't take so much time. Don't assume you have all the time. Feel you have very little time. Almost you have no time. You've got to get it. You've got to see. But not in a panic, not in a haste, not in a, not in a kind of frenzy. But just, I don't know what it. I don't know what the word is. If it's alertness, I don't know what it is. To make use of the opportunity. I sometimes wonder if I'm speaking in the right way because nobody was saying these things to me. Make use of the opportunity. I don't know what happened. Perhaps I didn't need the encouragement. That something already happened is like you start to fall in love. Who has to encourage you anything? Everything you're doing is, you know, your face is turned towards that fulfillment or something. Nobody needs encouraging, you know. So something must be ignited. And perhaps I'm mistaken, because when that took place inside my heart, 
It was it was unmistakable. No such thing like where well, maybe my mind is playing with me and all of this type of nonsense. I feel it's just itself the mind again. Is it not the same voice that spoke inside my heart speak inside your heart? Is it not the same? I had a rest and I was reflecting on the conditioning or the identity. Actually, it's like. Um, for myself, it seems like, especially in, in a larger group, even though I know everybody, I love everyone, it seems like it triggers conditioning. And it's like, you some you always say, as what are you speaking as? Or you could say, it's not only speaking, but also it's about where does the action, an action come from? Or like it could be about everything. And it's like identity, I, I was reflecting today, it's, like, it's almost like an invisible line in, drawn in consciousness. Somehow it's not seen, but it's there almost, you know, because action arrives, derives from it, or even thinking, or the perception of you know, this which we call life, or whatever occurs in, in this bubble of consciousness. It's like it has an, sometimes it can have a feeling of reality. Say that you re, that one really feels, you know, it's almost like a balloon, you know, that really has an Im, that there's an impact, you know, of whatever happens, whatever is somebody says something and it has a certain a certain impact. But but when one really looks it's like but there is not really that identity that is assumed is not really there. But somehow, remarkably, even though it is it is an invisible line in my experience, it has some kind of force, you know. And because this line is invisible, I feel it's perhaps this is why we don't question. That's why it's like. I don't know how better to say it, but it's almost like this, like this. It's like a, there's a zero mark, uh, some kind of line drawn. Where you say zero, this is from which everything arises, but it's not really. Uh, it's not really true, because even I don't know how better to say it. Um, this is the best uh, right now. Um, it, this is what uh, I've been reflecting today, because still, despite. Um, some kind of understanding being here, conditioning seems to still have some grip, you know? Still, it seems to... And then, of course, what can happen is one can also come from mind about it or from memory, oh, I've seen it before, you know, and then not inquire. You know, you could... All, one could and I think this is what you're talking about, not to fall asleep. Uh, because... Uh, it's not really, it's, it's almost like every time the familiar seems to kind of arise, it gives an opportunity to actually look again, you know. Yes, because sometimes also the mind itself is saying, you know, but okay, I understand that. Yeah. And we purchase it, that, you know, this thing, like, we understand that. And it's just a way of keeping this dead stuff inside ourselves. You say you understand it. When I say no, 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 
I mean, keep it like you're asking again for the first time, keep it fresh. So the experience of actually, it, you know, seeing what that is, whatever it is that seems to trouble us, to see the unreality each, each time rather than saying, yes, I know it's not real, mm. but actually to prove the unreality of it each time, you see. It's a difference. It's a difference. It's not a kind of an excuse, a kind of way in which we tell ourselves, yeah, you know, I kind of know this now, and all I'm doing is just experiencing conditioning. It's like you're seeing, but you know, but on what is supporting this, the strength of the con the play of the conditioning, except there's a kind of an I belief and an identity, which we keep on excusing, that oh, but it's only kind of conditioning, whereas it has a kind of an impact. It has a sort of, uh, it has a sort of tangibility about it, you know, and uh, so these things, uh, I feel. It is good that that you ponder, you ponder over it, or it comes up also by itself in in you, and quietly something is erased out of your being, becomes redundant. Because what I say is that one of the greatest defeats for the mind is when it becomes insignificant to the being. When the voice of the mind mm. becomes an in insignificant. Mm. <laughs> because presently, the things that don't trouble you is because they're insignificant for you. And the things that trouble us is because they appear to be significant for us. But the one to whom they are the significant, nobody question it. And when that one itself becomes seen, is seen somehow, then whatever that one collects, is without any real value, knowing that that one itself is our earliest um, delusion, you might say like this. Maybe a certain comfort comes back, and we, we may be happy about that, but actually it is not, uh, we shouldn't really be too happy about that, because it's just again, um, it's not really exposing what really needs to be exposed. It's not that the conditioning needs to leave. The identity has to be exposed. It's yeah, like exactly. it has to be erased. So we are usually looking at conditioning has to be erased. Yes. No, it is the identity that has to be erased. Yes. So Very good. Rather than looking for the secondary experience, look for the primary yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like sometimes we feel I was just putting that down this morning that you cannot change your personality in a flash, but you can realize the self in a flash. You cannot, because sometimes you think, oh, I'd like to really stop this, I really like, I just want to be changed. And no, you, you can't do this. You're, you're putting the power in the wrong place. It's not that somebody has to change your personality. You need to understand who you are. Once you understand who you are, the, the, the emphasis move off the, the personality, which... For most people, feel like that's what needs to change. I need to become more like this. I mean, we only need to understand where the mistake is being made. So again, what is the secondary and primary? What is the Secondary would be that one is trying to fix the conditioning. You're trying to change the conditioning, but it's not that. It was never really about that. It was to find the one who is conditioned. 
and see if the one who was conditioned is not real, then there's no need to change the conditioning. For who is the conditioning? Conditioning also is, is a, a delusion. From that point of seeing, from the real point of seeing, you understand? That understanding needs to really um, detonate inside the heart. This one who feels I have to change is the one who is in the world. Mm. <laughs> you see? But and this is our this is our most uh, our biggest infatuation is for the identity which we have formed as the one who is living life. And there's nobody living the life, you know. And if you are having this idea, I'm this particular person, and you're living life, you're making life happen in a certain way, this is a delusion, it's not true. But as soon as consciousness manifests and picks up an identity, it will begin to work like that. It has a programming and a program, and it's trying to um, fulfill its projections. But unless you catch it at the root, you know, that even the, the one who is making the projection is not the essence. It arises out of the essence. And then one un comes to understand that oneself is the essence and know that that essence itself is not suffering any delusion, except that a dreaming arises inside that essence. And that dreaming somehow pulls up something called attention also from the essence. And this, this play of identity, attention, and uh, uh, the delusion, all of that becomes the world play. I don't know if that is clear enough, but each time I'm using words, and there's a kind of there's a kind of uh, difficulty uh, with them up to a point. The seeing is much simpler. You simply see that the one who is making progress, doing something, getting somewhere, that is also when it is understood correctly, it can be left to be. We can also have that taste of ourself as that uh, in duality. And experience that without fear and without condemning duality, because without duality there is no experience really. Particularly, we can only we can engage, we can perceive and experience that diversity without becoming deluded. It is there. It's not a question of it won't have that kind of impact when you as when you really believe you are the person that things are really happening to in that way. And it's not that you you stop believing it. The one who believes or don't believe, one sees even this is not myself. But that, that degree of you know, insight or intuition seemed to take some time or something to, to, to just gel to itself. It seems more often there's a fading in and fading out of understanding that, oh, wow, but there's nothing. And then when you're in this place, you're like that untouched reality. And then you come again under the influence of the conditioning and time and mind, and it starts to flow again in the veins, and you start to feel, but, but how can it not be because I can feel it in my veins? And, but real understanding is that even in the most tactile and sensual and sensory you know, experiencing, nothing touches the awareness itself. The awareness never you know, loses its own natural self-focus or something like this. So that there's space for everything to be felt. And this is what I wanted to share, is that there's a space for everything to be experienced and to be felt and tasted in all its technical beauty. Because uh, the, the, the possibility of falling into delusion becomes redundant. It's over. Then you are free. Then somehow 
something is there that I, I don't know if I want to say, then you're free to go out. Because there is no even any particular pull to go out and do what. But there's a freedom in that. There's just a freedom in, in, in that. There's a space. I don't know. Well, let me see if I can put it in a better way. It's not a freedom as in free to do or not to do. It's not this type of freedom. It's just the freedom of the truth, of the understanding which is so without any restriction or limitation somehow in that. You come to see that the manifest world happens in a certain way. You see the old cinematography of the mind and consciousness in its play as existence. You do see it. I don't feel that anyone who really sees this can go out as a person to kind of demonstrate this because the person is swallowed up somehow. Thereafter, your words and your actions are the actions of the universe because there's no independent motivator behind them, no personal one. You see, even if your sense is to be something personal, it can be overlooked because it really doesn't have, it doesn't have the potency to germinate as a new seed anymore. It's kind of it's finished. Yeah, so. But it almost seems like a trap you can easily fall into if you see some if you see it really clearly. And then and then someone mentioned something about now you feel progress or something. It seems like such a subtle way of of somehow thinking you get it, but actually you you don't have it then. Because you think you you see what I mean? There's an innocence in that statement. There's a time when you can say, Did you get it or not? And you can say, Yes, I got it. And that is still, there is still space and freedom in that. That you can use the term, I did and I did not. But it's got no, there's no germs in it at all. It's completely pure. Because language is still going to be spoken. And language itself is duality. But there's a duality which is, you know, for me, divinely pure. And there's a duality which is still functioning in front of what's called a person. And is still holding the person is being kept in that duality, and they have a different fragrance, and you have to know and discern the difference. And it's not something; it's it's very intuitive that you 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 sense that. I don't feel that we have to learn to be happy. I think we have to learn uh, to be bound. I think we have to learn to. To doubt and to be afraid. Yeah. I don't think we have to learn to be happy. We started to feel unhappiness when we felt we had to do something to be, um, to be credible, mm. to be, to, to be. Mm. <laughs> you had to justify. You had to explain. You had to prove. You know. You had to show. You had to demonstrate. Mm. Uh, this is why I say that you don't have to apologize for your existence or explain when you come to that thing. And it has no pride in it, not a pride. It's such a beautiful freedom. It is really love <laughs> in its highest expression. Easy. And in that freedom, everything then can happen in its correct um, way. You know? Because it's not motivated by insecurity, by by the need to be a part of something, by the need to be loved. As I was speaking with somebody today in the satsang, I was someone who feels, you know, I need to love someone and I need to be loved. And what a pressure. And also, nobody wants to be loved by you if you come with that. 
Nobody wants to be loved by someone who is desperate for love. It's just something's just not right about it. You see, you want to leave somebody, you are gonna, you can't help loving someone who is beyond need and who is without cynicism and who is comfortable in in every situation, even if it's even if it looks, you know, unpleasant. They 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 have a place to be in that. They have a way of being with that. You know, that for me is the real true attraction. The rest is just based upon our projections and, you know, real mm, misunderstanding or something. Ultimately, it all boils down to a certain state which is um, which is not a profile. You know, it's not it's not a thing, it's not a way to be. It's not, oh, I know something. It's, it's so empty that you look at space and you cannot find a difference between yourself and space. And, and even, even space don't do it, in fact. Space is as good as it gets. Perhaps that language can imply what space is, feels the most close to this to feel that feeling of space and and to know that there is not really a difference just like space cannot be shown and talked about that you cannot speak about yesterday's space and today's space you see you can't talk about bedroom space or this bit of bedroom space the kitchen space you cannot it just doesn't lend itself to these type of shallowness of con- conceptual shallowness in the same way being beyond quality, when one searches for oneself and find, is not different from this in some way. It is also beyond quality. But that quality is just the, the way in which that portrays itself as existence. Then that understanding is enough to permeate every expression of yours with grace. And you do come to see it gives a patience where once there was a kind of haste and a panic, it allows space for you to keep observing rather than pushing the panic button. You can watch that, and even if something panics inside, you see, but this is only, you see everything as a phenomenal movement, mm. which means that it is an object of perception. Mm. Everything, including space, even becomes an object of perception. Even presence becomes an object of perception. And when presence itself becomes an object of, of uh, perception, then what can be said of that which observes presence? You are that. But that will be your experience, your direct and unquestioned experience. And there are no books there. You see? Uh, that, is, that is what I feel is the opportunity. I don't see every human being needs to know this. I don't want to say this thing. They don't have to know anything. You can continue, you know, believing that uh, your football club is your religion, and that's, that's fine. It's okay. But what you can find out is this. And with this, outwardly, you can have a life that resembles uh, many other people's lives, if you want. If that is something, I don't know if you want to say. If you want, I don't know what you would want. But still, the life, while this body is here, has a certain fragrance, has a certain play. 
It doesn't feel need to say, oh, I don't need to be with people. You know, I don't. You don't need to make any manifesto. You don't need to make any kind of vow. Your life will be lived out in this manifest expression, precisely how it is meant to be lived out somehow. But it will not be uh, a story that will go down in the book of heavens. It's just uh, the writing on water as we speak. Having said all these things, and knowing that. Mm, None of them are being kept in myself. They belong only to that moment of expression. And if they provoke some response, it's also not something you're doing. Maybe there is some space inside ourselves to say yes to something, and that yes can be the most atomic movement to say yes and uh, and let that. Let that be. It takes a while to um, somehow um, adjust to our freedom, because sometimes, initially in some stages, it can come like a kind of tension. It can feel in the body, in the being, like a kind of tension, like a kind of an excited, sweet kind of tension. You see, because. There's still some kind of cooking, some bursting, some burning is going on inside, but there's a there is a kind of uh, there's a cutting edge to it. It's it's there's something there, and gradually it it will do what it's doing, but our way of labeling it will change. And you come to see that somehow uh, someone whose whose mind has been functioning in a very gross way could not really accommodate. Uh, that subtlety of mm, truth inside themselves. There will be so, so much resistance. Never, ever. No, 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 no. I'm saying is that nothing that never ever. But someone whose mind is is really at whatever stage you may find it, dwelling in a in a gross state, um, which for a while seems to be serving only an ego identity, is not in a position to. To, to feel and assimilate and absorb truth. It, it's, it's too much. It has to be an acquired taste. And it, it reminds me, actually, of the story that Papaji told many of you. I'm sure you remember it, about the fisherwoman who, would go, who went to the sea. They went to the sea to collect fish, and then they had to go home walking through this forest. And on the way home, the heavens burst open, and there was you know, lightning and thunder and then showers. And they were really caught in that storm, going through the forest. And as they were walking, they had to pass the the house of a of a uh, a florist. And the florist, kind as she was, called them and says, "Come, come, come out of the rain! Come out!" And so they all came in, three of them. And she says, "Oh, you cannot go. This rain and thunder and lightning is dangerous for you to walk through the forest. Stay overnight and go tomorrow." And they said, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." They left their fishing baskets outside. They went in, and she gave them a beautiful room, and each of them had a bed inside this inside this room. But the room was full of flowers, lavender and roses and all type of flowers. And the woman, they couldn't sleep, not because of the thunder and lightning. They couldn't stand the smell of the flowers. They couldn't stand, and they, each of them couldn't. Would, was uh, like uh, each of them says, "Can you sleep? No, I can't sleep. What about you? I can't sleep." 
it's a bloody terrible smell of these flowers, you know. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. So then one of them went outside on the veranda, took the basket and put it in the rainwater, Shh, wake up the smell of the fish, brought it inside and they all came and stepped <laughs> very close to the basket. <laughs> because that was the orientation and uh, that their mind could cope with. They could not. Uh, they could not really be comfortable with that uh, pure smell. Uh, sometimes people, the mind, are very gross, very used to gross states and communication and so on. So it cannot assimilate immediately like that. It has to slowly, slowly. In many people, when they come to satsang initially, a lot of resistance come. They feel the energy of a satsang, but their minds cannot accept it. The minds start to put down, oh no, and all this stuff. And then many of them, to turn away, they're going to come back. They have the taste of that, that, that sort of space, but then it, the mind converts this uh, in, into an interpretation of some fear. Something's going to swallow you up, you're going to disappear, you know, you're not going to be able to take care of your children, you're going to lose control, and that's enough. You know, I can give you a list of maybe 30 well-known, you know, <laughs> things that the mind has, you know, in, the, in, the, in its first layer of resistance and you know one or two is enough for most people one or two whacks they get back in line quickly but gradually something moves until at some point none of these things uh, coming from the mind can can put you off <laughs>